Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition, a sad trombone edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by our friends over at Celsius. I am John Ledyard. Along with me tonight for this podcast of losers is Scott Reynolds, who is sort of a winner tonight, even though he didn't want to be, because no. Scott not only predicted that the Rams were going to win this game, but he also predicted the exact final score, 27 to 24. And I think, did you mention that it was a might be a Matt Gay field goal? <laughs> no, you said it wasn't going to be a field goal, yes. but he was going to contribute to it or something like that. Yeah. I think. <laughs> you know, and, and unfortunately, the South End Zone got Matt Gay once, but it couldn't do it twice mm-hmm. as his last kick ended up being a game winner. And, uh, and the Buccaneers uh, fall behind the Rams now in the NFC playoff picture. Now the Buccaneers. Um, have you know the, the, they've got the what the sixth seed now, which is the second wild card. The Rams have the fifth seed, which is the first wild card. If the playoffs started right now, Bucks fans, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers would not be going to Philadelphia to to face a three six and one Eagles team. They would be going to Green Bay to face a, a Packers team. It's it's a seven and three. And it would be up there in Lambeau Field, uh, probably the frozen tundra being January. And mm-hmm. that would be a rematch that Aaron Rodgers would welcome, John, because he did not play well the first go around. You know, He didn't. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we have a lot to talk about tonight, Scott. Yeah. This show is going to be jam-packed. Uh, believe me, we hear all y'all, and we're going to get to your comments. We're going to get to our thoughts on... This disaster of a game, a disaster of an outcome, offensive performance, Tom Brady being terrible, Byron Leftwich being terrible, uh, Bruce Arians just, I don't even know what you call his post-game comments, indefensible, the defense being, oh my goodness. Um, so we're going to get to all of it, and we're going to talk about all of it on this show, uh, and we're going to we're gonna try to keep our put our best face forward, but we're going to tell you also the information as accurately as we possibly can. It's going to be a good show, and we appreciate you all jumping in here and hanging in with us. Uh, we're going to have some level of fun, some therapeutic fun tonight on this show, and it's all going to be energized and brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. <laughs> And John, as you know, Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. And folks, I've already had my Celsius tonight. That's why I'm up here talking to you fine Buccaneer fans just after midnight here on, on the East Coast. Um, my favorite is the orange. I had that tonight. Uh, if you're interested in a nice fall flavor, they've got the new sparkling Fuji apple pear. So that's a, a fantastic fall flavor. My wife, Ashley, who turned me on to Celsius at the beginning of this year, loves the watermelon. So check out all of the Celsius flavors. You can click on those banner ads on pewterreport.com. They're going to take you to Amazon. And if you want the best thing, if you're not sure which flavor you want to buy and you don't want to commit yourself to a whole uh, pack of of 12, you can get a variety sampler pack. Mm. And you, you can try them all out and find out which ones you like the best. And then order in bulk. Uh, on the pewterreport.com banners, you can click there, order in bulk, and save some money on Celsius. It's kind of like Tom Brady, like going to the different variety. You know, he's throwing to Cam Brady, he's throwing to Jaden Mickens, he's throwing to, you know, Mike Evans, he's throwing uh, to Rams defensive uh, backs. You know, it's just kind of, you know, for, John, anyway. I um, don't understand <laughs> the last throw. I mean, first of all, right? I mean, he didn't see the safety come over. But what in the no. world is Byron Leftwich calling a vertical route for Cam Brady? Like, why is Cam Brady in the game? I just. If you're going to throw a vertical route to a tight end, wouldn't that be Rob Gronkowski, not not Cam Brady, who's not exactly fleet of foot? I mean, I love Cam, but I love him on those underneath routes or maybe right around the goal line, but not 40 yards down the field or 30 yards or whatever he was. The play call didn't make sense. The execution by Tom Brady was awful. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, in – it was like that all game from Brady. I mean, uh, actually, all, not all game. It was not like that on the first couple drives of the game. Um, you know, I know they went, uh, they ended up punting on the first drive of the game, but the second drive of the game, the third drive of the game, yeah. I thought Brady was doing exactly what you have to do to beat the Rams. I know everybody's going to look, oh, the yards per attempt is down. Guess what? 
you that's where you have to do against right. the Rams. They don't they want you to throw the deep ball and they want to take it away. They're sitting back yep. there waiting and for that. That's exactly what they want to do. That's and exactly you, what they ended up doing. You're exactly right. And to your point, what we saw tonight from Sean McVay, by and large, was he was a patient play caller. And he did the short passes all the way down the field. And most of those ended up in scoring drives for the Rams. And what we saw from, from Tom Brady and from Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians is the desire to take those shots because that's their DNA. Maybe not so much Brady, but he's being coerced because this is Bruce Arians' offense. But John, we saw the impatience of Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich trying to get those chunk plays rather than doing what worked for them so well. Throwing underneath to Mike Evans, throwing underneath to Chris Godwin, throwing underneath to Antonio Brown and moving the sticks that way, you know, one one little play at a time. And, uh, right. and it was disappointing to see the impatience sometimes. Again, you, you said it correctly. The Rams defense is designed to want you, to, to tempt you to throw deep so they can make plays in the ball. Right, right. I mean, it, it, this is exactly what, you know, what I said to you, if you remember what I said to you when I went back and I watched Brady's tape from last year, I came back after I studied his tape and I said, Brady doesn't have an arm strength issue at all. And he doesn't. Right. I mean, you could, if anything, he's overthrowing deep balls. You know I mean? The, the yeah. Arm strength is not the concern. Accuracy and timing, yes. Occasionally reads, yes. But uh, what did I say to you at the time when, when they signed him? I said, if there's one thing about Brady that stood out from last year, I just think he gets way more pissed off than he used yeah. to. Like he just isn't as patient a quarterback as he used to be. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. You know, it could be a, any number of factors, but the reality is with Brady, when they get in these late game situations, he is just pressing way too yeah. much. I don't know that he, I wouldn't even say he's worked up. I'm not even going to get into his disposition. I'm just saying the outcome of his play on the field is just a guy that's pressing. And people say, oh, I don't know if it's in Brady's DNA, like you said, to be aggressive. I actually think it's extremely in his DNA to be aggressive. And I think he was, that when I said that last year they threw the deep ball in New England at an above average league rate, people were like, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. And I'm telling you, Brady is always at that kind of a rate, even in an offense like New England's that didn't always call for him because he loves chunk plays. I think he's extremely aggressive. I think it's a, a, a kind of a thought process around him that isn't necessarily always there. It doesn't mean that he's dumb frequently, you know, as frequently right. as, as a Jameis Winston was in this offense, but it does mean that he's extremely aggressive as a passer. And so tonight, I yeah, some of those play calls didn't give any choice. They were all verticals. He had to go deep to somebody, and it just wasn't there no matter what they were doing. So at times, yes, the play calling definitely was too aggressive and was at fault. Yeah. But I also think Brady is just – being too aggressive in these late game mm-hmm. situations and he's pressing and he's trying right. to bite off more than he can. And instead there's stuff underneath. You have a lot of time. You can mount a drive short passes, honestly, are mostly how you mount these drives, especially when you just need a field goal. You know, yep. you can pick defenses apart underneath, use the clock to your advantage. You have a lot more time than you think if you know how to move quickly in an offense. And right now he's just trying too hard to hit those vertical balls down the field. And it's when it's just not there. And you know what? And that's again, that's exactly what Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich want because that's in their DNA, the big chunk plays. And sometimes that's not the right call. And 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 I think again, you go back to what's worked, and I, I still for the life of me don't understand the route concept of throwing deep to Cam Brate. Um, I'm just not sure. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go to, to Tennessee Pats fan here. Why has Scotty Miller become invisible? It just seemed to me, John. That when Scotty Miller was was a bigger part of this offense, they were hitting some plays down. Absolutely, field. absolutely, and they were yeah. a little bit more explosive. And right. um, it's just it, it's a shame. And you know, one of the things that I said to, to Mylon Thompson's uh, point here, and and listen, folks, uh, we love these comments and questions. Please go ahead and, and keep firing away. We're going to get as many of them up as we can tonight. Uh, to Mylon's point, coaching staff isn't using players to their strengths. It's like we don't have any advantage. One of the things that I, I warned against in my pewter preview and predictions on Saturday was that this coaching staff could get out coached by the Rams, and I think that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And this oh, was, yeah. this was a, a tight game right down to the very end. But those three points, as Bruce Arians pointed out in his press conference, the three points right before halftime um, were huge. It was a, a, The difference was, was a, a Matt Gay field goal. And uh, – and it turned out to be the one at the end, but it was also the one right before halftime too, because uh, you know that 
uh, allowing them to get down there and kick that field goal with one second left uh, was was a, a turning point in this game. It didn't maybe seem like it at the time because you still mm-hmm. had half a, a game to play. But, John, huge. Uh, that play looms large right now. Oh, my gosh, huge. I mean, I, I – I don't want to get away from the offense just yet because we still have so much to talk about there, but you're exactly right. And the defense, I think, you know, people are like, oh, they gave him a ton of opportunities to be in it at the end. <laughs> I think the defense did make some plays. I don't want to totally, you know, overlook that. I'm not saying yeah. that they didn't. They definitely improved some things slightly, but also they got, I mean, they got really lucky with some. I mean, so what in the world were some of those play calls, you know, on third down? when they were just shredding them and they're throwing this wide receiver screen, I, yeah. I'm just not sure what the play calling process was for the Rams late in that game. They left the door cracked because of it. Bucks obviously couldn't take advantage. And I mean, you just look at this box score. Like I'm not trying to box score scout. Obviously we just watched right. the game. I'm not like rolling up, just looking at the box score, having not seen the yeah. game, but like, what is going on? I mean, you can't get these guys the ball. Like, yeah, and and it's look at I the I've said Tom Brady this is his worst game as a Buccaneer. People are like what about the Saints game? No, the Saints game he had no shot. They were down right. huge early. Guys dropped passes. The scheme was terrible. They there were people that were not open. I'm not saying Brady right. played well in that game. He didn't. But this was his worst game as a Buck because protection was horrible in the Saints. I mean horrible in the Saints game. Yeah. Protection wasn't always great tonight, but it was good enough to win the game. It was good, it was enough. good enough to win the game. Like I'm not going to say the but this offensive line is playing down with their best player, Donovan Smith was hurt at times. Jensen was hurt at times. I'm or, or, sorry, Shipley was hurt at times. Like, yep. I'm not trying to even go there. Like the offensive line, right. yes, there were some things, there were some plays. But guess what? This is the NFL. Like you're against the best pass rushing era of all time. If you yep. can't complete passes and make plays under pressure as a quarterback, you are not going to win games. And Brady cannot do that yep. right now. It's not all his fault. A lot of it's the scheme putting him in those situations. But he's also not making throws in those situations when he should be. And, I mean, I just don't know how you have an offense with this much talent and these kind of weapons mm-hmm. in the passing game, and you're out here right. looking at the end of the game, and, and you've got three guys that aren't even at eight yards a catch. You can't even you can't scheme people open. You can't yeah, get agree. guys that, that make plays after the catch. You're still trying to throw the football down the field into double coverage. It's just, it's just a bad scheme. It, and they did some things good, especially in the first half, but there just wasn't enough of it. They got away from it too often, and – Brady wasn't good either, so it just all kind of collectively resulted in just a terrible offensive performance. Yeah, when you look at this, John, 251 yards of offense to the Rams, 413. What really stands out, you know, the Buccaneers did an okay job on third down, 7 of 14, that's 50%. The Rams, it might seem like they had a huge advantage, but they didn't. 8 of 15, 53% completion percentage on third downs. But, John, the average gain per offensive play for the Buccaneers, a woeful 3.7 yards. And I think part of that, too, was Terrible. just taking too many shots downfield and missing on them, right? Because I think I said in the group text, like, I'm all in favor of, of passing on first down. But these deep shots on first down essentially force you to pass on second down, right? Second and 10. Then when you do, or if you try to run the ball, you're looking at either third and eight or third and 10. And that's a that's a, a a situation that favors the Rams and their front four every single time. So right. to me, um, I, I'm all in favor of the first down passing, but the underneath stuff that was there, the Antonio Brown, the Chris Godwin, the the Rob Gronkowski, the Mike Evans underneath that stuff was working, and it it seemed like the Rams didn't have an answer for it. It seemed like the Buccaneers stopped themselves by continuing these deep shots that, for whatever reason, Tom Brady is just not hitting anymore. Right. Uh, there's The issues with the deep ball are fascinating. I just wrote an article about him. You can go and check it on pewterreport.com. I wrote an article about him before this game, basically saying the Bucks are 1 of 13 in their last you know, uh, three games of passes of 20 yards or more. The Giants, man, they were like a hair off of so many completions. I mean, yeah. it was so close. It was like, okay, I'm not – the process here is good. So you don't you don't always hit the deep ball, by the way. Like no yeah. one in the league does. The, the the you know league average you're like below fifty percent of even trying them. Like so it's it's not really like a it's not by itself it's not like a huge deal. But because it's such a big part of their offense over the first seven weeks of the season, they had more yards on twenty plus yard throws than any other team in the league. Yeah. So they were piling up the yards. They were right. second most in completions of twenty yards more. They had great completion percentage numbers. All of it was working basically, everything on the on the deep ball. And it was tight windows, it didn't matter. Like he was Brady right. was shredding. 
that is rarely is that sustainable throughout a full right. season for a quarterback. But the regression yeah. has been so strong over the last four weeks that we have to look at it. And then tonight just continued that. Yeah. I wrote basically I wouldn't even try it to, you know, in this game because like it doesn't even matter. You take a shot here or there to keep him honest. But sure. I think they threw nine passes of 15 yards or more. I don't know how many of those are 20 yards or more, at least right. half, maybe more. But again, it well, just John, it, it's we, more than just it's not an arm strength issue, too, Scott. I want to say like it, it's no, an accuracy right. and a timing issue and it's yeah. communication issue. I don't know what happened on the first interception, but Bruce Arians, like many things he said, is just I don't know if he's lying or if he just doesn't know. But I mean, there's just no way Brady got hit some on that first pick. I know, but yeah. that didn't cause the ball to go where it went. And Godwin's running a vertical, right. and he's clearly trying to and, throw and, something. That looks and like there's a still a safety there, John. There's still a safety right, right there. He was Godwin wasn't open. You know that was the thing. Right. So it, uh, yeah. uh, uh, our good friend Terrence Davis throws a five dollars super chat to help out with Mark Cook's camera, and we're going to put five dollars towards it. And he says. Or Mark couldn't and, even get on here tonight because of that camera. <laughs> Did BA and BL think you need 25 yards for a first down asking for a friend? It seemed like <laughs> that way at times. That's a hell of a super chat question. So uh, we certainly appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, we, we got Mylon Thompson here. Can you all accept calls? I need to talk. <laughs> we, we don't accept calls, but we, we do accept super chats. So throw us a super chat, Mylon. We always appreciate that. Uh, one of the things I'm writing about, John, in my two-point conversion is, and we've all lamented on this for weeks now in our group text that <laughs> please, goes on during the game. Please, is Fournette was terrible. It seems like Tom doesn't trust him. Leonard Fournette had three drops in this game, and and Ronald Jones had one. So right now, I believe Leonard Fournette has six drops on the season. Rojo has five. That's abysmal. And, and Rojo is just fumbled <laughs> in the right, passing and, and, and the problem is, as we all know, Tom Brady loves the check down, the outlet pass. He, he did that Especially for years. Especially in this offense, because the verticals plethora. aren't there. Yeah, Exactly. You need to check it down. But, I mean, in New England, uh, James White, Rex Burkhead, right? Uh, Deion Lewis, he had a, a plethora of running backs. Kevin Falk way back in the day that could catch the ball and make something out of nothing, right? Instead yeah. of, 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 of being second and ten, you know, if there's nothing there, you, you chunk it down on the check down and you pick up four yards. Now it's a more manageable second and six rather than, you know, second and 10. And that makes a world of difference when you get to third down. And right now, yeah. Brady just doesn't have a reliable pass catcher. And and even I think Rick Stroud asked uh, Bruce Arians on the conference call, like, do you put LaShawn Coy back in? Because at least no. he can catch. Fournette has good hands, Scott. Fournette has great hands. Leonard has great hands. You know who else has good hands, too? Cyril friggin' Grayson, right, Bruce? No, come on. Gosh, man. Like, I don't understand how he can get – explain to me how he can get up and say, Brady, yo, we're trying to figure out how he's played support – you know, all the things he says, which I don't have any issue with. I don't have an issue with you saying, like, yeah, it was a bad throw. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, but how do you then turn around and say – Leonard had great hands, and we got to give him better balls tonight. Are you kidding me? We watched the same game. We saw the replays. Like, all three of those are – Flat out drops. I yeah. like. If I you, just have no idea what he's NFL talking player, about. If you're an NFL player, five yards off the line of scrimmage, and the ball hits you in the hands, you should catch it. Okay, that's so that's just how it is. It's and just so hard. It's it's ridiculous. And so for me, um, when when I'm when I'm looking at, at this, they need a a pass catching running back next year, without a doubt. And maybe Keyshawn oh, Vaughn gosh. develops into that, but for whatever reason. We know LaShawn McCoy is not going to be back, right? Shady's gone. Leonard Fournette's on a one-year deal. I haven't seen anything that makes me want to to keep him, (laughs) right? So it's Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. They're going to have to draft another running back and and one that that can catch the ball. I've got a couple of guys listed for you, Buccaneer fans, in the two-point conversion, which will be up first thing in the morning. So be sure to check that out. In addition to all of our post-game coverage, We've got uh, the game story. We've got the NFC playoff picture uh, live right now on PeterReport.com. Most impressive, most disappointing coming up. You're a game changer, John. Lots of great coverage uh, yeah. about tonight's game coming up. So stay tuned to that. Uh, John, um, you know, I hate to say it, but, um, you know, I, I did place a bet on tonight's game. Did you? And I, and I won. If that tells you something. That does tell me. I actually, I'm not surprised you knew you won because you predicted the score. Right, so you might, yeah. you better have won. <laughs> right. Exactly. You would have been so, kicking yourself if you hadn't bet on this game. John, do you know where I, I went to, to place my wagers? 
Oh yeah, our friends over at my bookie. Absolutely, that's, that's exactly right. Now listen, I did not do well on my money line bets uh, when it came to Saturday football. Okay, um, I tried to to get a couple of, of upsets on the money line. It didn't happen uh, in college, but I did better with the pros, including tonight's game. So Thanksgiving's coming up. It's all about traditions like turducken with mashed potatoes, betting on football with my bookie's Turkey Day free play. This is my bookie's third annual Turkey Day free play. It returns this Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. It's your chance to bet up to 250 bucks risk-free on the early Thanksgiving game. The Turkey Day free play is a no-risk, all-gravy wager on the full game spread. Pick the right team, and you win. If your team is upset and you know uh, you bet up to 250 bucks, it's refunded before the next case. So you can't lose. New players are going to get their first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 to help add even more excitement to the greatest football weekend of the year. That's right. Make your first deposit and get extra cash that you can use on parlays, teasers, props all weekend long. Use the promo code PEWTER in order to claim your bonus and your first free bet. And the best part is that's only the beginning. My bookie has promotions all holiday weekend long. Turkey Day free play is Thanksgiving Thursday. That rolls into Black Friday boosted odds and finishes the holiday strong with buy one, get one free Cyber Monday night football. That's why at my bookie they call football season winning season. Check it out now. No risk, all gravy, baby. Don't forget to use the promo code PEWTER to claim your freebies. So if you've ever thought about going to my bookie and placing some wagers, folks, I only bet five bucks at a time. Okay. I got a family of four, um, you know, and uh, I, I, I don't have a lot of cash to drop on, on wagers, but it's fun. Right. And sometimes when I hit my, my money lines, John, my five bucks turns into 50 bucks. Right. So that's right. So it's fun. I'm still actually betting on my initial deposit. So um, that was three years ago. So wow. I, I don't have a lot. I, I got about 20 bucks left because I've, I've been taking a little bit of a beating. I got 20 bucks, but I want a little bit back tonight. So, um, so go to my bookie and take advantage of those free plays and have yourself a good old time. One of the things we still got to talk about, Scott, before we get to the defense, and we are going to, I see your Dean comments, Troy Morris, and I appreciate the super chat and we will get to Jamal Dean and Sean Murphy bunting uh, very shortly here. But Last thing I touch on on the offense, I mean, it, you know, and this kind of went overlooked. We've we've said negative things about Byron that are deserving, I think, and I think that, you know one of the biggest things in this game was the cons- like what did I t- before this game, Scott? If you go back and you listen to the preview podcast, or if you look at my tweets from before the game, the Bucks interior run game, which is where they love to run the football, the Rams will not give you a shot in the interior run game. If you come out in heavy personnel, you have to spread the field. You have to deploy your personnel in a way that gets them out of bare fronts up front. That means yep. the, the, the two, two, three techniques and a, and a head up nose. You have to get them out of those fronts or you will not be able to run the football. The Bucks went on heavy personnel. They ran the football right in the A gaps on first down over and over and over again. And they got absolutely nothing from it. Yep. I mean, this is, I am not that smart of a guy, Scott. I am really not. This yep. is, Day one coaching stuff. Yeah, This run scheme is terrible. I don't care what they did last week for 192 yards because the Panthers don't know how to line up. That's yeah. great. This run scheme is awful. It's been bad most of the season. There's no variety to it. When the runs worked, it was literally just because the Rams forgot to put a force defender on the field. Like They didn't have anybody on the outside, and still it took Rojo like five seconds to realize – Oh, there's literally nobody standing on the left edge. I can just right. run off tackle like for untouched, you know, and he's still, he's switching. He doesn't even, I mean, he switched the ball in your hand and stiff arm yeah. Jalen Ramsey and I know break a tackle. Like I, yeah. you know, he gets six yards and I'm still yelling. I just don't like right. football just does not, it does not, it's not fire for him. Like it, the neurons do not fire how they should for just instinctive football plays in the open field. But I say all that to say that the consistently, putting the team in second and third and long is killer. And early in the game, Brady did it. He got him out of those situations. And later in the game, it didn't happen. The Rams probably made adjustments. I'll be able to see hopefully on the tape. But when you consistently put your team, you waste first down consistently. When that's the down, you really need to make the most of Because if you can be successful on first down, you second and third down can be anything you want them to be. And that makes it so hard on the defense. It's it's not just the the wasted runs on first down. It's 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 going back to what I said. It's these wasted deep shots. 
yeah. on first day that, too. Down, that, that, are, that are the problem. So, again, if you're going to pass the ball, do it underneath. I'm all about passing on first down. But um, make it a high percentage. Get yourself into to a, uh, a positive second down situation, which will then in turn hopefully get you to a, a more positive, makeable third down situation, third and shorter. Maybe even convert the, the sticks and, and move, move the sticks, I should say, convert the first down on second down. Yeah, you have a. There's just a problem with Bruce Arians' offense. To be honest, like it's. I mean, we we talk about the play calling at times, and it is baffling at times. I mean, but that that is almost every team in the league. I mean, Sean McVay is one of the best play callers in the NFL. I think every single coach and player and fan, even if you talk to any educated fan, would say that. And he had some play calls tonight that I just can't even. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know the third and eight where he settles for a field goal with a kicker. They just signed off the street. I know it worked for him, yep. but the process is terrible. I, you know, and so this is what I mean when I say like literally everybody is complaining about fa- about play calls at times. That's not like an unusual or germane thing to the Bucks. The right. bigger issue that I think is more sustainably bad is the lack of what like what's hasn't changed about the offense. I mean, you were talking about an age in the NFL where the best best offenses and the best teams look at the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year just for example look at the way the Seahawks have changed everything they've done and thrown so heavily on first down and altered their approach you were talking about a schemes and tendencies that teams have that are constantly changing what they're doing they're finding high percentage throws they're working situational football better than ever before play action motion at the snap all these things are in and none of these things are things that Bruce Arians Bruce Arians offense not Byron Leftwich play calls which I've ripped on plenty Bruce Arians is the schemer. Byron Leftwich designs and probably or calls plays and probably has some say in the design. But Bruce Arians is the schemer of this offense. He designs the offense. And so when the offensive design is archaic, and at times that works against the worst defense. I mean, look at the bad defenses they played. They've shredded them all. When they faced a good right. defense, the Saints and, and the Rams now, there hasn't been many of them. There aren't many of them around the NFL, and that's the reason why they'll probably – Still fine to make the playoffs, and they'll probably get in. I don't. They don't really face a good defense the rest of the season. Um, but when they face those defenses, and when they get in those situations, they aren't successful because those defenses can figure you out. And that's the biggest thing with him is that he doesn't. He hasn't really altered what he's done. He's not gone mm-hmm. to a play action heavy approach or changed many things over the years. Um, he hasn't gone to with motion at the staff and created a lot of those easy opportunities for his quarterback. He hasn't. There's no variety in this run game in an age where zone rushing and outside zone rushing and um, deception in the run game. Look at what the best run teams in the NFL do. You know the most right. successful per yards per play run teams in the NFL do. He isn't doing any of those things in this run game. This is a very old school run scheme. I mean, about, well, probably the most archaic one in the league. And, and and the thing is, is when you when you look at at, at the the defenses that have given this offense problems, and and I think the the Monday Night Crew effectively went through that. It bears repeating. If the Bucks go up against a, a team with a good front four, Chicago, New Orleans, and the Rams, they struggle. They can't run the ball right. effectively, and they they're ultimately going to break down in pass protection. And and I, I, you know, we saw Tom Brady, and gosh, it looked like he almost fumbled that ball and got sacked in the end zone. It was very uh, close, yeah, very close, very close, and that could have been certainly a huge game changer. Yeah, but um, but the thing is, is he, he did not have a clean pocket to throw from with with enough regularity uh, to be as to be even more accurate than he really needed mm-hmm. to be. And uh, and I think that, that that's going to be a problem. I mean, when you when you get to the playoffs, um, you're going to be going up against really good teams. And and I, I'm just not convinced that that the the coaching staff can really match wits with with some of these these upper echelon teams. And I, I kind of want to put the Bucks because of the record into the upper echelon, but they're really not. I mean, right, right. now uh, they're they're seven and four, and they're sliding down the NFC playoff picture. And guess what? You got a Kansas City Chiefs team that I, I don't see the Buccaneers beating on Sunday. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, mean, I mean, unless unless Patrick Mahomes decides to be average on Sunday, I, <laughs> I, I don't think don't he's going to decide that. <laughs> I don't think he's going to make that choice, John. I think he's going to be, right. be, be great. And I think now all of a sudden you're looking at, at the Buccaneers that were once seven and three, probably being seven and five by by the time next Sunday night rolls around. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden, you know, it depends on what these other NFC 
teams do. It was a very good weekend for the Buccaneers. Right. And that's, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything to worry about, but playoffs-wise, yeah. personally, yeah. we'll see. But Right. I mean, but is the goal making the playoffs right. or, or doing some damage once you get there? And, right. and, uh, and yes, the schedule does open up a bit, uh, but nothing is assured in this league. Right now, you got the Chiefs at 9-1. and one. Then, then you have the Vikings come to town after the bye week. And, and I'll tell you, the Bucs need a bye week. They do need a bye week. Oh, um, yeah. This is the latest bye week I've, I've ever seen. Day, yeah, this is in my 25 years of, uh, on the Bucks beat. Then you get the the four and six Vikings followed by the three and seven Falcons on the road, and you have to go to Detroit and face the Lions, who are four and six, and then uh, a rematch with the Falcons at Ray J to end the season. So, on paper, that should be four wins right there, and right now they're at seven. That should be an 11 and five record, and that should get you in the playoffs. But John getting in there and, and then doing some damage and winning some games, it's a different story. And right. and right right now, if you look at the Rams and their record, and again, if you want to follow along, you can check out the PeterReport.com article, uh, NFC playoff picture. The Rams end the season. Uh, next week is is at the 49ers. Then you've got the Cardinals that are four, that are six and four, the Patriots that are four and six, the Jets at 0 and 10. The Seahawks is seven and three, and the Cardinals is six and four. They could slide, you know, if the Buccaneers can finish four and one. You could see the Rams, uh, you know, maybe lose two games there. But the problem is then it, it, it's it's still uh, an advantage for the Rams because they have the tiebreaker advantage. Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, I, I really, you know, how, and this is I've said this to fans before. When we get in these shows, I really like to focus on things that we have large sample size evidence of. Like when they lost to the Giants and when they lost to the Saints right after that, you didn't hear me get on here and talk a ton about, oh, this team can't throw the vertical well, ball anymore. You, no, you said the Giants. They beat the Giants. Oh, sorry. When they beat the Giants but but yeah. didn't hit the vertical balls and when right. they lost to the Saints, they you didn't hear me get on here and was like, this team can't hit deep balls anymore. Like that wasn't – to me, that's not even – like it was two-game sample size. Now we have a four-game right. sample size, and so we're moving in the direction of being able to draw – some conclusions based on stuff. So I, it's hard for me to get in here and say that the Bucs, you know, when, when, if they w- lose this next game to the Chiefs and then win four games in a row, they go on their bye and then win four games in a row to close the season out, which is what I thought would happen kind of before the season. I said they'd be 11 and five. I don't think anything really has surprised me so far about the Bucs season. Like they pretty much are what I thought they'd be, especially considering the lack of off season that they had. I'm a little bit surprised by the Chicago result, obviously, but well, I say right. all this to say that 11 and five, I think everybody would have taken that at the beginning of the year. The problem is the, the problem is that they haven't beaten recently the best. If they lose to the chiefs, they won't have beaten the best teams on their schedule over the second half of the season. That's right. usually an issue when you're going into the playoffs. Not that they haven't beaten any good teams. They did with the Raiders and the Packers. Both mm-hmm. those should be playoff teams. But they haven't done that during the second half of their season where you want to be at your best. And there are clear issues that I think top defenses can solve. The good thing about them is that I just really don't know who's that great in the NFC. Like, I really don't. Um, I right. don't know who's that team. You know, I mean, maybe it's the Saints if Breeze comes back. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, they've got some tough ones still on their schedule. They're going to win the division, I think, pretty easily now. But um, I I don't know that – yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe that defense is for real and the Saints really do look like the best team by the time the playoffs come around. But right. we thought it was Seattle at one point this season. We thought it was Green Bay before the Buccaneers game. You know, we, we've thought different things at all points in the season. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the matchup's going to be. Everybody's like the losing the first round of the playoffs in the comments. I see people saying – Maybe, or or maybe they'll have a great matchup, or maybe somebody gets banged up, or you know, you just don't know. The point is definitely is to get there at this point, especially the Bucs. Like we didn't think they were going to win the division. So the point is to right. get there and to be able to compete once you're there. And I think at that point, you know, that's the point they have to get to. You know, you want to obviously you want to win this game against the Chiefs. And if you win this game against the Chiefs, you really set yourself up to finish 12 and 4 because yeah. you should be able to take care of business. I mean, the Lions. The Vikings and Atlanta, those are three of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. So you match up great with them. And, and they and right. they just aren't playing very good ball. I mean, the Vikings just lost to one of the worst teams in the league in the Cowboys with, with everything to play for. Like they were in desperation mode. Um, yeah. And so I, I say all that to say I'm not ready to like go big picture with this and say the Bucks are just going to like not – are just going to disappoint in the big stage. Like – Yes, this is these are these are games that would convince me that they're either like qualified 
to beat the best or not. And right now they're not proving that. And they've got a, a huge game against the Chiefs looming to be able to do that. I do know we want to get to the defensive side of the ball, Scott. So a thoughts defensively on the way that this team played in this game was a little bit of a seesaw. I think there were some things that went their way, but just curious overall your thoughts on what the defense looked like tonight. Well, again, it's a, we saw uh, t- too much soft zone coverage. Uh, I would have loved to have seen more press, man. I don't understand with these physical corners like Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, why they're not getting their hands on, on these receivers. Um, you know, it, like, uh, for example, John, the touchdown down there, um, you know, when, when Van Jefferson got the touchdown yeah. on, on Jamel, Jamel Dean's Dean, playing way off and I, I don't know why he's, awful. He's, yeah, he's playing off. I mean, to me, get up there and press man, jam him at the line of scrimmage like Brian Kelly used to do. Uh, Brian Kelly would not let you get off the line of scrimmage. And, and to me, you take an inside leverage against a, a receiver who's not that tall, doesn't have great leaping ability like Van Jefferson. And, you know, Jamel Dean's got long arms. So to me, the right play would be inside leverage and try to, to, to force and pressure uh, Goff to have to throw a fade over the top and using the, the end zone out of bounds uh, as, as another defender. That's the tougher throw than the slant. So I just don't understand why Bowles doesn't have his cornerbacks, especially in a truncated area like like the red zone, um, not play more press yeah. in and get get your hands on these guys. The clean release it gets you beat. It was an easy touchdown. Right. I mean, I get it. Th- rushing three and covering eight in a fourteen yard space in the end zone when, from the four yard line that seems awesome on paper. But yeah. if you can't do it, like it doesn't matter right. how great the idea is. Like there's a blown coverage when you're cu- dropping eight into coverage in the red zone. I just, it's horrible. I mean, in any, in yeah. the thing about Todd Bowles, and I asked the people with the Jets over this past, people that cover the Jets, people that watch them and the study of their tape, I said, what is the deal with Todd Bowles not altering his coverages and playing more yeah. press? Why does he yeah. give up so much easy stuff in the passing game? And they literally like, dude, we talked about it every single week, and the dude never changed what he was going to do. Drove us crazy. And I was like, well, that's probably – don't expect anything different against the Rams. And, I mean, honestly, he wrinkled yeah. it in here and there, and it wasn't all bad in that front. But it was so bad – it was bad enough that it was, it was hard to defend at certain points. Like, it, you can't defend it. I mean, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I saw William Golson and Ndamukong Sue dropping into coverage and passes just being completed right around him. They, they can't, yeah. can't do it. You do it like yeah. twice a season. Like that's it. You just well, you can't you come out and that be your strategy. John, when you play a, a soft zone coverage, right, and, and you've got a quarterback that wants to get rid of the ball quickly and is very good at it. I mean, Jared Goff completed 84% of his passes in the first half. Yeah, he but, shredded. But the thing is, if you want to make the quarterback hold on to the ball so your pass rush can actually get there, then you, you've got to play tight coverage. Yeah. Okay, you've got to play tight press band coverage. And you know what? If you don't have the corners to do it, that's one thing. But Jamel Dean, who was playing in the first half till he got dinged, um, and Carlton Davis are press man corners. And yeah. so to I mean, me you gotta let him try it, right? You, you I mean, Dean is getting cooked in, in off coverage and zone coverage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do something different and see if it makes life easier for him. I mean, Sean Murphy bunting, yeah. I I think we're at the point to me where like I just don't know if he can play. He definitely can't play in the slot. I just, he's just, he doesn't move. I mean, he doesn't feel yeah. anything. He doesn't sense routes breaking. You yeah. know, he's just always way behind in coverage. Um, you know, well, so. And, and John, one of the, one of my four key matchups to watch. And of course, Cooper Cup did damage against everybody. It wasn't just against uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, but certainly that last big throw. Oh, when, yeah. When, when Goff was actually pressured, had to roll out, but but uh, they were playing man and, and, uh, and Sean Murphy Bunting lost sight of Cooper Cup. On that play, and uh, and Cup got free and, and went off to the the sidelines and got them in position for that, that game winning field goal. But Cooper Cup, eleven catches, one hundred and forty five yards. Uh, Robert Woods, twelve catches, one hundred and thirty yards. And um, yeah, Sean Murphy Bunting got toasted a lot tonight. And uh, and I'm with you. Um, I I'm losing confidence in Sean Murphy Bunting. You know why? Because it looks like he's lost confidence too. Oh yeah, I mean he he just doesn't have it. I don't, you know. I mean maybe in a press man heavy scheme on the outside, I'd be curious still to see because he's a great athlete still, and yeah. he has great traits, and he plays the run tough. 
Um, but in this scheme, it's just terrible for him. So unless yeah. Sean, unless Todd Bowles is going to change something, I'm not sure what you do with Sean Murphy bunting at this point. Like I, I, I he doesn't even give you peak plays. Like it's not like his high end plays are, are great. Play. I mean, Daniel Jones threw him a gift. That's the only time he's touched the ball like all season, basically. Right. So, you know, I, I just not sure what the answer is with him. To me, I think at this point, you really have to think about just benching him and, and playing Antoine Winfield in the slot, who he wasn't great tonight as a free safety either. You know, I, I'd almost just yeah. say try Mike Edwards there, try move Antoine Winfield, but you have to do something. I just don't think you can – how do you go into a game against Mahomes and just say we're going to try it out John Murphy Bunting? You know, and Ross Cockrell played well tonight. And Jim Aldean yeah. is a concussion probably. He was ruled out for the game, so I'm guessing he is a concussion. And so yeah. there's a good chance he isn't even going to play in this game, so you're probably going to have Ross Cockrell – so then maybe you don't want a, a million moving pieces, and and I don't know. But I, all I know is that when this team's healthy, I don't know how Sean Murphy Bunting's one of your best five and how you keep playing him. I mean, it's he just gets yeah. annihilated too often. Uh, we're going to talk actually, about positives. Hold on one second. I Go actually ahead. misspoke earlier. Um, I, I said that, that the Bucks would play the Packers in a rematch, but actually they wouldn't. They would they would play the Rams in a rematch right now because they. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the Rams are the second seed. I said the Green Bay was the, was the second seed. Green Bay was the second seed coming into tonight's game, but because the Rams have a head-to-head tiebreaker against the Seahawks, they have uh, they both have seven and three records. The Seahawks and the Rams, but the Rams have that that head-to-head uh, tiebreaker advantage. So the Rams right now are atop the NFC West. So right now. Yeah. The Seahawks would go face the Eagles, which ironically they're going to be playing on Monday Night Football next week, and the Bucks with the number six seed would travel to the number two seed Rams for a rematch. So uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I like their chances against the Rams. I mean, we saw a close, tight game. The problem, John, is just I think that Sean McVay and and Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator for the Rams, I just think they they call better plays. That's yeah. their, their scheme was better. Than what the Buccaneers well, did tonight. Yeah, they're they're more likely to have adjustments for the second game that will beat the Bucks up even worse. You know, in my opinion, I I honestly thought the Bucks defense got a little bit lucky tonight. I thought some of the play calls late in the game were bad for the Rams when they were really taking it to the Bucks. And yeah. I thought the you know the missed field goal and the penalty. Remember, they had that nice run that put them near midfield, and they had a penalty on Havenstein, um, Havenstein uh, that brought a yeah. run back and made put them in long down and distance. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was a huge play in the game that if the Bucks had won, that might have made the game changer moments for right. me. Because so I think there was, in other words, I, I think the defense got a little bit of an assist and then they did. They stepped up and they made some plays. I won't take that away right. from them. They, they took advantage of that momentum and they stepped up and made some plays. I mean, SMB with the tackle for loss, JPPP knocked down after the penalty, that, that screen pass. You know, JPP. He that guy did everything right tonight except get to the quarterback. Except get <laughs> I mean, to the quarterback. Was, yeah, I mean, which I don't know true. to put him in most disappointing or most impressive because he's working against yeah. the backup and, to Andrew yeah. Whitworth and he didn't do anything. Here, here's right. one quick question, John from Cali Bucks. Why not play Ryan Smith? Actually, I believe that was Ryan Smith who pulled up. It looked like a hamstring covering one of the punts. I think that was oh, I didn't see that was Ryan is Smith that, at the end of the game. Is that why Winfield was in on punt coverage? I think so. Yes, because so, I don't think Winfield's normally on pen coverage. Uh, correct, but I think that's great what hit happened. though. He made yeah. a, he made a great and, tackle. And John, there, but John, you talked about Jason Pierre-Paul, but but listen, Shaq Barrett, man, Shaq Barrett, uh, he was just about invisible tonight. And I'm going to check yeah. the, the box score. I just I know that he didn't really do much outside of chase Goff, you know, on a couple plays. But uh, right now, when it came to Unblocked stuff, yeah. Yeah, Sean Murphy bunting, 10 tackles, two tackles for loss. Levante David and Devin White, both nine tackles. Levante had three tackles for loss. Devin White had one. Jason Pierre-Paul, six tackles, one interception, two passes defensed. Um, I don't see – well, yeah, Shaq Barrett had four tackles in the run game, but that's it. Oh, Shaq Barrett jumping off side. We- had three – yeah, Shaq Shakert had uh, zero quarterback hits. Will Golston had two quarterback hits. The Bucks only had three quarterback hits the whole night. One by Devin White, two by Will Golston. Shaq Barrett uh, just, you know, I, I just don't see. Um, here's the thing, John. I, I don't. I don't even know if they bring him back next year. No, it's it's, it's it makes one, it easy for him cap wise. That's yeah, yeah. They they, they have to listen. The, the Bucks are going to have to make some some additions and in order to do that there has to be some subtractions right 
Uh, I yeah, don't know the Robin. Shaq's going to be one of them. Concaps <laughs> is going to be back, certainly at $9 million. Yeah, I don't think Shaq Barrett is going to return. And, and I'll tell you what, the, the damnedest thing is he's the second-best pass rusher on this team in terms of, of, of edge rushers, right? Got to replace so, him, yeah, but yeah, but but you got not Anthony go Nelson, too. right? Yeah, so if you, if you put Anthony Nelson out there as a starter, I mean, it's just double Jason Pierre-Paul every single down, and and the quarterbacks will have all day to throw. So it's it, it, they've got to they're going to have to draft some some edge rushers next year, and they got to hope that Jason Light's going to have to hope that that his edge rushers can perform as well as Tristan Wirfs and Antoine yeah. Winfield have. Um, it's it's uh yeah very tough situation they've got they've got some pieces you know offensively i think they, they've they got it mostly they got the guys that they're going to run with you know long term i think in place other than pass catching back honestly what's crazy about their inability to find one is that it's not really that tough to find a competent one in this offense all they do is need to catch it in the flat that's it i mean we're not yeah. even talking about high degree difficulty stuff for these run- I, I can't get into it again my blood pressure but on defense yeah i mean this is this has been the problem, right? I mean, honestly, the interior guys were great tonight. Like, they were the ones causing more pressure more often than yeah. not. And that's yeah, where, the, you know, the Rams are game. weaker. Yeah, Will Golston played great. I mean, he was yeah. he was an animal tonight. Um, and Dominican Sue made enough 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 of a difference, I thought. Even Nacho broke through a few times. You know, inside, I thought they played really well. Um, you know, I honestly thought it was one of Devin White's better games. A- anytime you play a team that runs horizontally, the Bucks just just crush them. The only thing yeah. teams have – that is the cutback occasionally, you know, and, and a trick play or something to gain yards right. uh, in the running game. But the Bucks just are so – I mean, their linebackers are just so athletic, and yep. it's just hard for teams to get lateral on them and find success. And I thought David and White were both great against the run when it did happen tonight. And like I said, the interior guys and even the edge guys were great against the run. Bucks, yeah. Bucks played the run awesome tonight. You know, that yeah, they really was did. about it. But <laughs> Well, and, John, when you say awesome, the Rams had 20 carries for 37 yards. That's yeah. 1.9 yards per carry. Now, the Bucks didn't do much better. 18 carries, 42 yards. Rojo had 24 yards. They only averaged 2.3 yards per carry. Uh, one touchdown, that was Fournette. Rams didn't have a rushing touchdown, but then you had Goff with the three touchdowns, 376 yards, and uh, that's all the scoring they needed. So. Yeah, um, I mean, we, we yeah, we're, think we're, about we're this. About, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say we got to think about this. Brady, you know, the, the the back-to-back streak with Brady, maybe one of the fans knows that I don't remember, but the back-to-back streak with Brady, he doesn't lose back-to-back games. And so, you know, that is something to think about going in this Chiefs game. But at the same time, I think it's – this is a this is another level of opponent. Let's just put it that way. And this yeah. defense, I'm just not sure they're ready for it right now. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, but – you know what we are ready for, John? We're ready for, for some game balls, aren't we? Let's do it. Game balls presented by Manscaped. Why? Because we're talking balls, folks. That's why. That's right. All right. So so listen. This bad boy right here. John's got one. I've got one. Okay. This, this thing is, does work. This is the lawnmower 3.0. Now, I'm going to show something to you that's going to blow your mind. Mark Cook talked about it. It's got a light. Very helpful. Lights especially the way. Especially when you're a 48-year-old man whose vision's going, trying to shave his balls. Right? I'm just telling you. It, this is necessary. <laughs> whoever put, whoever put the, the light on this thing is a genius. Listen, people. And football it's so is quiet. It's so quiet. It is. Like, it, it's unbelievable yes. how quiet it is. It's just, yeah. Football's back, and that means it's time to throw on your team's colors and make sure you don't fumble below the waist. Our, our friends and partners at Manscaped are here to save your boys from a big hit so you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most now manscaped this year with the surefire touchdown with the best tools for your grooming experience that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and they just released this new and improved lawnmower 3.0 trimmer it's simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man because of the ceramic blade in skin safe technology that means your snags are going to be reduced their perfect package 3.0 comes with the new lawnmower waterproof cordless body trimmer performance boxer briefs and a travel bag for you to use when you're not quarantining this thing right here the best part is it makes a great gift and the performance the perfect package 3.0 comes with the crop preserver and crop reviver the crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant the Crop Reviver Splash. is a spray-on toner for your balls. Get 20% off. This is the best part. 20% off and free shipping 
with the, the, the code at the bottom, which is pewter at manscaped.com. So go to manscaped.com, enter pewter as the promo code, save 20% off and get free shipping. It's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped, use the promo code pewter. And we say this, why? Because it's holiday season. Black mm-hmm. Friday is coming up, John. There's no better gift for your college roommate, for your best bro, for your dad, your uncle, your brother, granddad. Mark, Mark Cook always asked, already asked his, his parents for a, ball, for a ball trimmer for uh, Christmas. Exactly. He didn't want to, but he did it. You yep. can do it too. Yeah, and guys, if, if you if your wife's bugging you, you know, what do you want for for Christmas, uh, for the holiday season, get the Manscaped uh, Perfect Package 3.0, and she's gonna love it as much as as you do. So again, Manscaped.com promo code Peter. Okay, fine, we'll do it again, John. We'll do it again. If you send me your email receipt it doesn't have any of your credit card information none of your financial data on it all it's going to have is just your address and your name and even if you get it for a gift i'm going to send you this pewterreport.com t-shirt right we have them in black and white and gray and uh and just email me at sr at pewterreport.com with your proof of purchase whether it's for you or whether it is for uh the the person that you're buying the gift for and we'll send you a pewterreport.com t-shirt just in time for the, the Bucks playoff run. So email me, that's rpewterreport.com with that email receipt from Manscaped. We're gonna send you a t-shirt. Long lost glazer. I have a John Deere. <laughs> Our lawnmowers <laughs> look different. Weird. Long lost glazer, do not try this, what we're talking about at home with your lawnmower. Yes, exactly. Make sure that you use the Manscaped lawnmower right. 3.0. Make sure. Yes. Uh my game balls. Um can you Listen, find two? Yes, I, I, I can. I'm going to split the one for the offense, and I'll tell you who I'm going to give it to. I'm going to give it to Mike Evans for an extra effort to get into the end zone. Mike had a pedestrian night with five catches for 49 yards, uh, had the longest play of the game for the Buccaneers, believe it or not, 18-yard reception. But he had an amazing touchdown where he broke two tackles and wheeled himself into the end zone. For Tom Brady's uh, touchdown pass that was, I believe, 564 and tied Drew Brees. Then I'm going to give the other half of the offensive game ball to another guy who used some extra effort to get into the end zone. Chris Godwin with a 13-yard touchdown catch, diving into the end zone with a broken finger. Seven catches, 53 yards. Again, kind of a pedestrian night for Godwin in the passing game as well. But that was a significant touchdown for Tom Brady because it gives him the lead. And I believe it's a lead that he is going to have forever because I don't think Drew Brees is coming back this year, John. Not with 11 broken ribs. Well, oh, so. at any point, playoffs either? Well, I mean, this is a regular season record, I believe. I don't think it oh, includes playoffs. I'm, I got you. So, I got you. So I'm tracking with you. Yeah. So I, I think, and I think Drew Brees is done after this year. I, this, the Saints salary cap is so effed up that <laughs> there's no way that they're going to bring it back next year. So I think right That's now, true. Tom Brady, I think Chris Godwin uh, said, made some history there yeah that's true with tom brady's touchdown i think that brady's going to have the all-time touchdown uh receptor passing uh, record and um and chris godwin was on the receiving and so both those receivers get my offensive game ball defensive game ball john i'm going to give it to somebody that we kind of have given a hard time to (coughs) on pewterreport.com i mean we're fair we 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 critique uh jordan whitehead i thought played played his best game of the year tonight Seven you, you tackles was he really was good in the red game. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, one tackle for loss, one pass breakup, and that, that big interception in the in the fourth quarter uh, made a great read on the ball. Jordan Whitehead, hats off to you. You get the other game ball tonight. Jordan Whitehead's been good for a couple weeks now, too, I just want to say. And I was tough on him at the beginning of the year. I, I thought fair. You know, I still think that you have to figure out where he works best. But, you know, he's played much better. He's probably been one of the few surprises to me, like, all right. Man, I didn't see you know that coming, and not saying he still couldn't you know get torched next week against the Chiefs. And coverage is right. is tough for him. He's never going to be an you know an elite player or anything like that. Yeah. But he's definitely making the most out of his skill set this year, and he had some really really good plays tonight. Uh, or I thought he was tr- terrific. Um, yeah. I'll go with Will Golston on defense. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. kind of hinted at this earlier, but I thought those were the best two players on the field for the Bucks defense tonight. I think Carlton did some good things too. I have to check the tape a little bit more. 
again, I don't think the scheme gives him a huge chance a lot of the time, which is really frustrating. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Will Golston was everywhere run game. I thought pass, you know, pass. He was breaking through more than anybody else, winning one on one. Um, I just think he's having a great season, and uh, definitely want to recognize him uh, on offense. I'm gonna go with. I was tempted to go with the Bucks offensive line. I don't think they played quite well enough to get a game ball. I don't know if that would be a fair assessment. So I'm not going to say that, but still when you, I mean, what did Aaron Donald have in this game? Like a couple pressures maybe, but um, that's, that's dang good. I mean, they didn't call his name yeah. all night. I mean, well, you know he, what, he hit John? Brady once on the pass interference p- p- play. Yeah. And you know what too? I mean, they did not have, um, they did not have uh, Ali Marpet tonight. Right. Exactly. So, right. And Donovan Smith missed a couple snaps and right. at the end of the game, you know, Shipley and I didn't think, you know, pressure was a problem at the end of the game either. Um, you know, but I'm going to give it to Tristan Wirfs. I just, I just don't know what to say about the guy. I mean, if they, if they, if the NFL was fair and cared about offensive linemen getting yeah. awards on the same level everybody else should, which they absolutely should, but yeah. they won't. Um, Tristan Wirfs should win offensive rookie of the year, you know, and I know Justin Herbert's been great and Burrow before mm-hmm. the injury, um, you know, uh, was great, um, you know, and, but, I mean, I just think Tristan Wirfs has been exceptional at his position. I mean, I think it, you can make a conversation. He's been the best right tackle in the yeah. league this year, Scott. That's how good he's been. I'm with you. And, and you know what? Leonard F- Floyd was coming off an 11 tackle, three yeah. sack, one fumble recovery game against Seattle yeah. last week. F- Floyd was invisible tonight. Two tackles for the night. No hurries, no quarterback hits. And, and you know, I know that Aaron Donald hit Tom Brady. But I'm looking at the box score, John, and I know my eyes are, are, are just about shot here at 1 o'clock <laughs> Eastern time. Aaron Donald is not on the box score. He did not have a, a single tackle tonight. So Ryan yeah, Jensen, I yeah. uh, and, and A.Q. Shipley, hats off to you guys. And, and, and Alex Kappa, too. I could have sworn he hit Tom Brady, though. He so did. On the pass interference, he yeah. hit Tom Brady. But then that would be a no play, right? I mean, because of the penalty. Uh, yeah. The yep. Ramsey first, the first pass interference. So right. then I'm guessing it would be it would be off the board even as a pressure. I think I believe, that's how I believe works. that's the case. Yeah. So I'm not sure. What'll be interesting? We'll check the pressures tomorrow with Pro Football Focus and Pro Football Reference um, to well, see. And, and you know what, John? You mentioned uh, Will Golston. Uh, Tim A. Richardson has a great point here. Also, Golston giving 900 frozen turkeys to feed Tampa and 992 to Detroit which is his hometown. The dude is doing good things. And yes, he is. Will Golston, you haven't had a chance to meet him, John, because we're in this COVID world right now. I but, love his pressers, though. He's great. He is. And, and the thing is, is, is uh, he's great to talk to in, in the Bucks locker room, and, and you'll have that chance next year when they open up the locker room. Hopefully this COVID stuff goes bye-bye sometime in 2021. Uh, but yeah, great guy, uh, Will Golston. It's good to see him having his best year in Tampa uh, in, in quite some time, if not, you know, maybe ever. Yeah. We'll be back tomorrow on the Pewter Report podcast. I guess that's technically today, Monday or Tuesday, sorry, Tuesday, 4 p.m. We'll take your questions, your comments, your criticisms. It'll be your time to even more than you did today therapeutically vent about this game. We'll also hopefully have been able to glance a little bit at the tape, have some more observations, some numbers, some pro football focus grades, some of those things to discuss with you as well tomorrow on the show that's 4 p.m on tuesday we will be live again so subscribe pewter report podcast on youtube tell your friends and family spread the news about the pewter report podcast going live and get people to subscribe and hit that bell to get the notifications for when we're going live that's right and mark cook will be on tomorrow's podcast Mm -hmm. in place of me i've got tomorrow off uh not a victory tuesday just have have a scheduled day off but uh i will have the two-point conversion up uh for your first thing in the morning and uh, be sure to to visit us tomorrow mm-hmm. on the pewter report podcast when john ledyard and mark cook will be again taking your questions and 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 then also reacting to what coach arian says and his after the the, the game press conference Can't wait and, and, and listen if you haven't done so already we appreciate you stopping by and and being a part of the show with us uh every post game and and then on Mondays and Wednesdays and Thursdays typically. But if you haven't gone to our YouTube channel and subscribe, do it, do it right now. It's free. All you have to do is just go to the youtube.com and type in pewter report TV and then hit the subscribe button and you'll become a subscriber. Then click on notifications. And every time we go live, you're going to get a notification. So you won't miss 
a single episode of our Pewter Report podcast, John. Yep, there's uh, certainly a lot to look forward to even this week. As we mentioned, Tuesday, 4 p.m. We'll also be live Wednesday at 4 p.m. That's when we will preview the upcoming game against the Chiefs. And then obviously for the holidays, we'll be off the rest of the week. So Wednesday at 4 p.m. will be our last podcast for the week. Uh, and we will break down the game with the Chiefs. Scott and I will in-depth on Wednesday at 4 p.m. So two must-listen-to pods, must-watch pods over the next two days. Stick with us. We're going to have some fun. We're going to get you ready for the next. We're going to get you over this one. We're going to get you ready for the next one. Appreciate you all tuning in for another awesome edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.